PCOS is not just a fertility issue. It is a medical condition that comes with long-term health risks. Yet healthcare providers only address symptoms if they're bothering you. Otherwise, they just diagnose it and then mostly leave it alone. Most women, including me, were given the diagnosis, offered birth control, and told to return if and when we wanted help with fertility. What about monitoring for long-term problems? And what about reducing the risk factors? Well, that is exactly what today's episode is all about. You're listening to the PCOS Repair Podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of PCOS and how to repair the imbalances in your hormones naturally with a little medical help sprinkled in. Hi, I'm Ashleen Korchek, and with many years of medical and personal experience with polycystic ovarian syndrome, it is my joy to watch women reverse their PCOS as they learn to nourish their body in a whole new way. With the power of our beliefs, our mindset, and our environment, and the understanding of our genetics, we can heal at the root cause. Welcome back to the PCOS Repair Podcast, where in this episode, I'm going to be switching things up a bit. In the last several episodes, we've been discussing about how to relieve certain symptoms and problems caused by PCOS. But in today's episode, it's really important to start looking past these pesky symptoms at overall health and some of the problems that can be caused by PCOS long-term. So in today's episode, we are going to be looking at what happens if we leave PCOS untreated and why to at least some degree, it's important to include natural remedies in order to manage our PCOS. So what are the long-term health risks of PCOS? So we have metabolic concerns. This is anything to do with kind of our deeply rooted hormones of insulin, cortisol. Um, These are the hormones that are affected by weight and appetite and cravings, and they can lead to their own risk factors. These include things like um, all the PCOS symptoms, but also cardiovascular diabetes. That's all metabolic related. Then we have our endocrine system. So this is where it can start to really mess with all of the chemical hormones of our body and how it communicates. And it can just throw off everything and have us start to feel a low general health, such as hair loss, skin problems, and just everything seems to be acting up. Then we have psychiatric issues. So these are all of the mood disorders, just feeling, you know, slightly depressed, slightly anxious, all the way to really debilitating mood disorders such as depression, anxiety, and even bipolar can be found more commonly when our hormones are disturbed. And then we have cardiovascular complications. So this is connected to the metabolic things, but we actually have just a higher incidence of calcifications in our arteries and are at higher risk of cardiovascular incidents such as heart attacks, strokes, and things like that as we get older if we haven't managed our health and kept our cholesterol low and done all the things that we need to to stay healthy from a cardiovascular standpoint. Side note on the cholesterol, cholesterol that we have in our body is a lot more to do with our body making cholesterol and less with healthy cholesterols that we eat. Now there's like, you know, trans fats and things like that that are not good, but eating high cholesterol foods such as egg yolks have not been shown 
to be a problem for raising our cholesterols in our bodies. So side note on that one, because I know that question always comes up. So, you know, if we think reduce your cholesterol, we think reduce fat. We want to be careful which fats we're eating because the inflammatory fats are problematic. The processed foods are problematic. High processed sugars are problematic, but healthy fats have not been shown to be problematic. Another long-term risk factor is endometrial cancer. So when we are not having a period on a regular basis, our endometrial lining can be increased. It can get thicker than usual. That's why when we do have a period, sometimes it's heavier. And this has to do with the estrogen. So if we have high estrogen, we're estrogen dominant, we're not having regular periods, all of these different things contribute to having more unopposed estrogen, so higher estrogen levels compared to some of the other hormones such as progesterone. And that can over time lead to an increased risk of endometrial cancer for women that have PCOS. So the important thing here is to monitor it. So if we have these long-term health factors, then these are things that our healthcare providers should be watching for over the course of our, you know, we're probably not really prone to these as much in our 20s at all. Um, as you know, other than just the PCOS symptoms, as we reach our 30s, you know, the risk starts depending on um, your current state of health starts to maybe become something that we should be looking at. Definitely by 40s and 50s, these are things that should be monitored on a routine basis. And the routine basis is going to depend and we'll talk about this a little bit as we talk about monitoring, but it'll change a little bit person to person because if you're completely stable, if everything is good, you don't need to be monitored as frequently as someone who's showing signs of changing and worsening and possibly starting to need some medical intervention. Anyway, this is something where we hear things thrown out there that there are long-term risk factors, but it's really important to know that besides that sounding scary, what can we actually do about them so that they're not just something that creates more anxiety? What needs to happen if we have a risk factor? Well, we need to monitor. So this is where the key role of your medical provider comes in. Sure, they gave you a diagnosis that was helpful. They ran some labs. They maybe were able to offer you some medications, treatments, procedures that were helpful for symptomatic relief. But what we really need our healthcare providers to do is to monitor our health over time. So when should we contact our doctor? So while lifestyle management of PCOS is the best way to go because it's going to cover all of these areas and help us to reduce the risk in all of these areas, Please don't limit yourself to thinking that you have to do it all yourself. For example, if you do have high blood sugar and have or are on the verge of developing type 2 diabetes, then yes, definitely start implementing and adjusting to create a lifestyle that promotes blood sugar balance to reverse your diabetes. However, that doesn't mean skip the medication because there are things that can help you keep that blood sugar low while you develop the habits, while you get your lifestyle adjusted, and then talk with and work with your doctor. Let them know that you're making these lifestyle adjustments and that you're doing your best on your end and have them retest after a couple months. Like They can tell you how long these things are going to take to show up. So minimum three months, probably closer to six months, retesting, looking to see if you can lower doses, reduce medications, come off certain medications. And if a medication is really giving you a hard time with side effects, by all means, talk to your physician again. There are many medication op options for both 
heart disease, cholesterol, diabetes, all of these risk factors that we're talking about, there are many options that your doctor can switch you to if one just is not agreeing with you. But they are important to help protect your body from the harmful effects of these risk factors as you're trying to get the lifestyle modifications in place. So this is not an either or. It's just that there are areas of medicine that can slow down the decline of health, but they can't reinstate health. So without addressing the root causes of with lifestyle management, you'll be kind of running in circles and just putting out fires if you're only doing the medication route. But if you're only doing the lifestyle route and you've already reached a point of needing medications, you can be really fighting an uphill battle and let having the risk factors doing some damage while you're trying to get them controlled. So it is not an either or. So be sure to work with your doctor on this. And at the very least, depending on where you're at in this, make sure that it's being monitored. And you're going to monitor it through labs, physical exam, and just making sure that they are aware of these things that you're looking for and not just doing a routine check, but like knowing that you have risk factors for these things. So then what is the management and treatment and reduction of risk for these risk factors? So that brings us to managing PCOS health with lifestyle. Perhaps a little medical help sprinkled in like we talked about, but your first step is going to be to know your primary root cause. Now, I know, I know, I always go back to knowing your primary current root cause, but if we don't know that, we are just throwing spaghetti at the wall. We get overwhelmed with all of the things that we could be doing to improve our health. And we can get frustrated because we may be focusing on a health improvement that sounds fun to us or resonates with us, but it's not really what our body's needing at any given time. So again, start with the root cause. And then because PCOS can lead to these long-term problems, even with the lifestyle medicine, make sure your doctor is monitoring you. The frequency, and this is where every person is going to be very different, but the frequency is really going to be determined by have you had changes in symptoms. If you've been tested, you know you have PCOS, and everything has stayed stable, you can probably retest, reevaluate every couple of years. If you're starting to have weight gain, new symptoms showing up, symptoms worsening, or any sort of thing where you're like, this is different, something that used to be working for me isn't working for me. Not a bad idea to talk to your doctor, reassess, uh, re-rule out other things that can come in combination with PCOS. So again, looking at that thyroid, autoimmune disorders, just running a few kind of preliminary checking in with your body tests. But if in the past your labs have shown no indication of worsening and everything else seems very stable, it doesn't have to be a yearly thing where we go through and check all of the labs. But you're also going to want to make sure that you do have a yearly gynecological exam. This is going to assess, you know, period health. So if there's any irregularities in your periods, these are the times that you're going to want to address those with your doctor. Your doctor may recommend medications. And while this may give you some side effects, like we talked about, it's really up to you to go back to them. If something's not working for you, to go back and continue the conversation As a provider, we get our patients set up with the mainstream, what works the best for people, but everyone's individual. We have to have a starting point, but we are happy to have our patients come back and adjust the treatment plan as needed. So don't just throw it out and say it didn't work for you. Make a follow-up appointment, follow back up if you need to. And then birth control. For the most part, birth control is simply symptom management, kind of symptom control and oftentimes creates more problems than it fixes. 
However, some doctors will put you on birth control because they are worried about your irregular cycles and the risk of endometrial cancer. So they're trying to make sure that you are shedding that endometrial lining monthly or every couple months, depending on what kind of program they have you on. And so if you do not want to be on a hormonal birth control, you may want to talk to them about alternatives for that or talking to them about, you know, getting on a lifestyle management plan. You know, getting your periods back is relatively straightforward. Some of the other symptoms of PCOS can be a lot more difficult to manage, but having regular enough cycles to reduce the risk of endometrial cancer is one of the more simple things to do when it comes to PCOS management. So if you talk to your doctor, let them know you're working with lifestyle management to get your periods back on track. Uh, just, you know, figure out a time frame that you can both be comfortable with of how long um, you can go without a period before they want you to induce a period and relieve that endometrial lining. And then the third step, and this is really the biggest part of reducing the risk factors, and that is getting into managing with lifestyle. So we've talked about this a lot in the earlier episodes of this podcast. You can go back and listen to those, but the key things are this. It all starts with, again, that root cause. So take the root cause quiz because this changes over time. If it's been a while since you've assessed your root cause, make sure you take the PCOS root cause quiz. It will be linked in the show notes below. And then it includes nourishing to support our PCOS health. So it doesn't necessarily mean a restrictive diet, but it does mean really focusing on getting the nutrients that your body needs in your body. And kind of, it helps to kind of push out some of the less nutritious items because you're focusing on getting that nutrients, but you know, really nourishing to support your hormones, getting enough movement. So consistently getting exercise, this helps to manage your stress. It manages your inflammation. It helps to balance and lower your blood sugar, and it helps to support a healthy cycle. There's an episode, a few episodes back about exercise for PCOS. So I will link to that in the show notes as well. And then removing toxic elements from your environmental bubble. So this can be any sort of, you know, we think of, you know, actual toxins. It can be making sure that your food is as natural, clean, and healthy as possible. It can be creating space from toxic negative stress or negative relationships so that your body isn't exhausted, burned out, worn out and just doing its best to survive because you're creating an environment where you reduce the toxins as much as you can. And then probably one of the most important things that we often overlook is caring for your emotional well-being. And this can be, you know, what you think about and what you dwell on and what you allow yourself to have going on in your mind. We want to be intentional about the thoughts that we're feeding our mind. If we're feeding our mind thoughts of, I can do this. I have so many options. I can think outside the box. I'm really good at coming up with solutions versus telling ourselves all day that this is a problem and I can't because of this. Those That difference and shift in our thoughts makes a huge difference in our actions. And those actions, they make a difference over time when that you add them up. Also, just the stress in our body that we perceive at having limitations. And when we think like, oh, I'm a problem solver, like I can fix this or I can at least make it better than it seems and um, I can handle this. When we think thoughts like that, our body just feels more in control. It feels more confident and it doesn't have the same perceived stress. So our thoughts, our emotional well-being is extremely important. And also just allowing yourself time to unwind, to let down, to not always just be buzzing 
but to have time where we're allowed to kind of switch off. Also, allowing ourselves to distance ourselves from situations and relationships that don't serve us. So there's just an endless amount of stuff that we can say yes to and participate in. Some of it is really in line with what we feel like we need to be doing and others of it, even if it's good things, just don't need to be on our plate at any given moment. So give yourself permission to take on what is currently serving you, where your priorities need to be, and say no or say later to the other things. So there you have it, my friend, an outline of a path of how to ensure that you are getting all of the long-term care that your PCOS needs and that you're managing it in the best way possible. Now, and if you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast listening platform so that you don't miss next week's episode on how to set yourself up for success with a well-stocked PCOS-friendly pantry. Because in this episode, there's also going to be a special gift, so you're definitely not going to want to miss it. All right, until then, bye for now. Did you know that studies of PCOS epigenetics have shown that our environment can either worsen or completely reverse our PCOS symptoms? I believe that although PCOS makes us sensitive to our environment, it also makes us powerful. When we learn what our body needs and commit to providing those needs, not only do we gain back our health, but we grow in power just by showing up for ourselves. This is why I've created a guide for you to get started. My PCOS fertility meal guide can be found in the show notes below. I want to show you how to create an environment that promotes healing while still being able to live a life that you enjoy. This guide is completely free. So go get your copy now so that you can step into the vision that you have for your life and for your health.